Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Well, it gives us pleasure once again to welcome Doug and Marina Landro to our church. Many of you know Doug has, I don't even know how long, since 1995, 96, you've been at 97. I mean, he was a youth pastor here and then went straight into missionary to Ukraine. And we've been supporting him, I think, from the very, very beginning. And we're just so thankful. I'm just so thankful that you actually take time to come and, and meet with us uh, and uh uh, it, you know, they come back for their vacation for a furlough and they travel around, but they always make sure that they come by Orange. And so we're always so thankful that you do that and faithful and we can just love them. And so you guys know him. Uh, you guys have heard him. Uh, he, this guy gets more done when, when one hour of the day than I do all week. He is just tremendous, a great networker. God's used him and Marina is just a wonderful team together. So we're going to invite him to come and share with us uh, a little bit about uh, from, from the book of God, uh, from Revelation, but also share a little bit of the ministry. So with that, would you guys come on up? Or Doug, come on up. Thank you. Marina will join me later. <laughs> um, if you open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, uh, that'll be our text this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for all you do in this world. We acknowledge that you are the sovereign God, that nothing happens in this world, that it's not your will, that you're not working out a greater purpose. And we pray this morning that you'll encourage us to begin looking for you behind all the scenes of our current events. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So the great book of Revelation begins with these words, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. I'd like you to see three truths in these opening verses of Revelation. The first thing I want you to see is that Revelation is about current events. Now, you may be surprised of me saying that, because we tend to think that the book of Revelation is about some events that are going to happen in the future. Uh, and there's some truth in that as well. That is in the passages as well. But the book of Revelation was primarily written to a church in the first century who was experiencing great persecution. And the book of Revelation was written to them as an encouragement, as giving them hope for the suffering that they were enduring by showing us a time in the future where it's going to be even worse. But nothing happens that God doesn't blow the trumpet or open the seal or pour out the bowl. Jesus is in control of all things, even in the worst of times. Therefore, Jesus is in control even in our current events. 
And for us who are reading it, we, it helps us even our own current events, doesn't it? Knowing that we have a God who is working out something great, as we saw in the, in the passage in Ephesians that we read this morning. He is bringing the fullness of His plan into action. And so we see the phrase, what must soon take place. It wasn't just for the readers of the first century, it's for the readers of the 21st century as well. The book of Revelation gives us hope as we look at our current events. The second truth I want you to see here is that John saw something. John didn't just hear about something. Jesus wanted John to see these events in the future. We see the phrase there, God gave him to show his servants. And then John says, everything he saw, it is a seeing. God wants us to see what is happening. And so when you read Revelation, uh, you're going to see a lot of beasts. You're going to see bulls. You're going to see dragons. You're going to see trumpets. You're going to see angels. You're going to see brides. You're going to see horns. And you're even going to see harlots. These are all images that are meant to captivate our eyes. Why is the emphasis in Revelation on the visual? It's because we humans have a seeing problem. That is our main problem. We don't necessarily have a hearing problem. We hear the Word of God. Our problem is we don't see it in action. We only see what is right in front of our eyes. And we focus on these current events and there's so much that is happening around those current events that the Lord wants us to see. He wants us, His servants, to see it all. He wants us to see what is behind these current events. What is Jesus doing through these current events? What is really happening behind the scenes? Jesus wants us to see that. We have a seeing problem. Third thing I want you to notice in this passage is the reason God wants us to see what is happening behind our current events. He wants to give us a what? A blessing, as it says in verse 3. Now, when I look at the current events of today, it's pretty hard to see a blessing in it, isn't it? When we focus on it. But when we look behind those current events at the things that the naked eye cannot see, that's when I see what Jesus is doing, and that's what brings me a blessing. In 2014, Russia took Crimea in eastern Ukraine from Ukraine. And then over the next eight years, 14,400 Ukrainians were killed, civilians and soldiers. Since February of this year, another 6,300 civilians have been killed. And that was the statistics as of a month ago when I wrote this. Who knows how many more have died in the recent attacks. We don't even know how many soldiers have died. Both sides are lying about it. But probably around um, 30,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died fighting in this war. But over 100,000 Russians have died. It's about three to one uh, in Ukraine's favor. Six million Ukrainians have been displaced from their homes since February. The Grivna, our national income, has fallen by 600 percent. 
That means what used to bring a, a, a dollar is now only worth 15 cents. Imagine, I mean, we have inflation, of course, in America, but not quite what they are suffering in their countries. And you know, most Ukrainians that I talk to don't feel blessed because they're focused on these current events and what's happening right in front of their eyes. What about here in America? What are current events? You may have been disappointed over the election results. You have inflation. You have all these problems. You have open borders. We have crime uh, spiraling in our cities. Do you feel blessed? When we focus on the current event, we don't feel blessed. But when we look behind those current events and see what Jesus is doing, that is how we receive the blessing. And that's why Revelation was written. It was to show the people that, yes, there's great suffering. There's going to be even worse suffering in the future. But Jesus is bringing about his plan. Things are changing. And so we read again in verse 3, the great promise, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy concerning current events. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it about current events, because the time is near. So how is it possible to receive blessings when we focus on the sufferings of our world? By seeing what lies behind those events. And what might that be? Who is behind these events? I've said it already. Jesus Christ. We have a sovereign God. God did not lose control when Putin invaded Ukraine. Jesus sent Putin to invade Ukraine. I can't believe anything else than that. Because what else am I to think? That somehow God lost control? Or the enemy pulled a surprise maneuver on Jesus? I mean, that's worse to think of that possibility, isn't it? I'd rather believe that God has brought suffering into our lives because of a greater purpose. All things work out for good. Last year when I was here, I talked about Hannah and how God brought barrenness to her and how that was a, an ingredient. If you remember my baking soda example, uh, the baking soda is a bitter ingredient, but it produces a great muffin. Um, so sometimes the suffering in our life, there's a bigger story behind what God is doing. And you know, the track record of Jesus is pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> We can trust his track record because there are lots of events we can look back and say, wow, he really came through for us on that one. Uh, and of course, the most important was what he did for our sin. Amen? God wants the church, his servants, to see what is happening, what he is doing behind the current events of our life. And so John goes on. He says, John, to the seven churches in the province of of Asia. Now we know there were more than seven churches in the province of Asia. The number seven here is apocryphal writing. It means complete. Uh, in other words, he's saying to all the churches in Asia Minor. I would even say to all the churches in the world. This is, this, this is written to. Um, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Who is that? It's God. God the Father. He is who was and is to come. And these words were meant as comfort to those who were suffering because God is the same through all time. He doesn't change. Past, present, and future. He is the same God and we can find comfort in that. 
Grace and peace to you, he said. And, and, and then he goes on, and from the seven spirit. Kind of a strange phrase there, huh? It's not seven spirits, the seven spirit before his throne. Again, there's the number seven, which means what? Complete. And who's the complete spirit? The Holy Spirit. So here we have the Father, we have the Spirit, and then it ends in verse 5, and from Jesus Christ. John is celebrating the full trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Revelation talks more about the trinity than any other book in Scripture. The Father is the one who is, and who was, and is to come. The Holy Spirit is the seventh spirit. The Son is Jesus Christ. John is showing us how this triune God is behind all the current events. And we got to stop focusing on what we can see and see the Trinity at work behind these current events. He goes on to talk more about Jesus. He says, Jesus is the faithful witness. Jesus is our witness to these current events because it's of what he has seen. What Jesus has seen is what is to become. He is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus defeated death. We can have hope in him. We can have comfort in him. He defeated the most dastardly event that any of us are ever going to face. Now that's a current event, right? <laughs> you know, someday we're all going to die, and Jesus defeated the worst current event you will ever face in your life. He defeated death. And it says he is the firstborn, which implies what? There is a second, there is a third, there is a fourth. That's you and I. All of us are going to conquer death because of what the firstborn has done. When we die, we really do not die, do we? We go and live with the Lord forever in heaven. We are being shown here that Jesus Christ has a great track record. He has already defeated the worst current event that you will ever face, your own death. And Jesus was the firstborn. And we are the millionth in some <laughs> um, born. And it goes on to talk about Jesus and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, this might surprise some of us because, you know, maybe if you're focused on what's happening in Ukraine like we are, you might think Putin is the ruler of the earth right now. Or someone is, you know. Uh, uh, but no, Jesus Christ is still in charge. He is still the ruler over the kings of the earth. And how does Christ rule over them? It says, to him who loves us. Now that verb loves us is, is in the form of a continuing action. It's not loves us in the past, not loves us in the present, but loves us even in the future. He will go on. He continually loves us. Jesus just keeps on loving. Amen? Amen. He's a God that never stops loving us. He did that on the cross. He loved us. He loved us by rising from the dead and conquering death. He loved us by ascending into heaven in order to build us a home, uh, our future place of residence. 
And His love keeps coming to us even today. It's the love that keeps on giving. It's almost like the, uh, that bunny. Thank you. The Energizer buddy, uh, bunny. It's the love that keeps on loving. That's who Jesus is. And how is this love given to us? He and says, and has freed us from sins by the blood. So what does all this mean to us? How do we apply this prologue of revelation to our own lives? It's very simple. We can trust Jesus with the current events that we face in life. He has a great track record. He is the one who shed his own blood on the cross to set you and I free from sin. The one thing that spoils our human existence, he has already conquered. And if he can do that, he can handle this little curtain event we're facing right now. We have nothing to fear. And the one who has set up his kingdom where the goodness of God is starting to be done on the earth, we can trust Jesus with the current events of our lives. He goes on in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God says, I am the Almighty. Not Putin, not Biden, or whatever current event you're facing right now. They're, they're not the Almighty. Jesus, God, is the Almighty. Alpha Omega, of course, is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is the beginning. He is the end. He says, I am present at both ends of history, and I am behind every event that goes on in this world. I am not only present, but I am in control of every one billionth event that happens in our world. Nothing happens that God has not willed to happen. And it all comes from his unending love for us. We might not see it in what we're facing right now. That's because you're looking at the event. Look at what's going on behind the event. What is Jesus doing? And we see Jesus at work even in the midst of sufferings. But we got to see it, right? Right now, I'm, I'm saying it, you're hearing it, but we've got to learn to see it. And that's what Revelation is all about. It's all about us seeing what is happening. What is Jesus doing? And these are encouraging words for us because hearing is not enough. We need to see. As I said, we have a seeing problem, don't we? We have a seeing problem. We only look at what's right in front of us and we get discouraged. Hearing the daily news doesn't give us confidence, right? We need to do more than hear it. We need to see Jesus at work. Things are not what they seem. There's always a backstory to every current event that we are experiencing, and that backstory is Jesus. He's doing something, and he's got the track record. We can trust him. Whatever, is, whatever you're worried about, you know, no one's going to change God's will. He is moving forward. Things are going to happen. We need to learn to set our eyes on Jesus. Maybe right now you're in the center of a broken relationship. Set your eyes on Jesus, not that relationship. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a financial hardship. Set your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you've just recently received a dire medical prognosis. Don't focus on that. Focus on Jesus. What is he doing through that? For us in Ukraine in the midst of war, we have to learn to set our eyes on Jesus. What is he doing? And this I know, he loves us. He loves you. 
He will always love you. He will continue to love you. And he knows how to handle the events of your life. He sets you free from your biggest problem already, right? Death. You're already freed from that. We can trust him on these other things as well. He'll take care of the rest. He's got a good track record. There always is a backstory to everything that we see in front of us. Behind every current event, Jesus is working to bring about his good will for humanity. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See what's going on behind these current events. And Revelation is the biggest picture you'll ever have of Jesus. You need to read the book. I mean, it's a blessing because you're going to see Jesus at work as the worst time in history coming ahead of us. And that's really the blessing of Revelation. You're going to see a Christ who is in control of every event that the world has ever experienced because of his unending love for us. Amen? I want to invite my wife up at this time to share some stories of what Jesus is doing behind the current events in our country of Ukraine. We are experiencing war. We've been invaded by the Russian army. And if we just focus on that, you can get discouraged. But God has placed us in a very strategic position. We're in a city where people are fleeing to because we are not under attack. We're the only region of Ukraine that is not under attack. Uh, and uh, so we have the blessing of, of meeting and, and helping these refugees and IDPs, these displaced people that God is sending our way. And we're seeing some wonderful stories. Let my wife tell them, though. Good morning. Yes, uh, as uh, Douglas said, uh, during these horrible times of the war, uh, at first it's hard to see good <laughs> and what God is doing. But uh, uh, like looking back now, I can tell definitely that uh, there are many good things came out of it because uh, uh, Russia, pro Russian propaganda was to split the country in half, uh, like Eastern and Western part of Europe. And uh, uh, so they would always care uh, eastern part, I mean, of Ukraine, uh, that Ukrainians on the West, nationalists, they will kill you even for speaking Russian, whatever. And when they uh, were fl fleeing uh, from the war, uh, they moved to our area, which is Western part of Ukraine, and they saw how people take uh, care of them, how they are loving and helping. Uh, they totally changed their mind and their eyes got open. And of course, most uh, of people uh, were helping uh, Christian people uh, and uh, even regular people. They so united and in helping each other and doing their little part to win this war. And uh, our church uh, started uh, with physical help, of course, and uh, then we were inviting everyone to the services. People would come and hear about gospel, about Christ and forgiveness, and many people uh, accepted Jesus as their savior. And some of the people, like every Saturday, we would have evangelical event would pray for people afterwards and give them some food products to help them out. 
And now our church started, uh, they about finished now, they started the Alpha course with those people who want it. And people really hungry for the uh, word of God and they wanna know uh, God and what's going on, what's God's plan. And uh, about 33 people came to Alpha course in our church and they have it in our cafe because you know it, uh, you need to have dinner and lesson together, it's nice combination. People eat, they listen, they uh, share, freely share their opinion, and then the leader of the group shares what Bible says about it. So Are it's, you familiar with Bible it's, it's very good evangelical tool, uh, which uh, we used with teenagers, like, uh, me and our team uh, used two teenager groups, and then our church really liked it and did it for adults. It's the new evangelism tool, and, and when I was young, the big thing was evangelism explosion, which we also continue to uh, train our team members in. Um, but uh, Alpha Course came out of England, and it was, a, it was the idea of, of around a dinner meal, so you have a dinner, and you invite people who are seeking uh, about Jesus, and uh, you, you eat a uh, meal together, and then you share some truths about Jesus. I don't know how many sessions there are. Twelve. Twelve, Twelve sessions. Weeks. So and it goes through the, 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 the most important things about Jesus, and in the end, there's an opportunity for them to receive Christ. Yeah, so you, you come with your friends or family well, members. Every session it, has an opportunity to receive Christ. And it's a very, like, uh, uh, home atmosphere, people relaxed, and... And they're free to share their opinion, but we don't say like it's wrong or something. We just say in, thank you for your opinion, but we would like to share what God says, the Bible says. And, uh, and just pray that Holy Spirit will change, their, open their hearts. It's also called the ministry of the Holy Spirit because you let God work with their hearts. You not impose <laughs> your view, so it's a beautiful ministry, and uh, we see how people open and they listen. So we built with them relation, good relationships, and they come into church and uh, uh, like their life changed, and they ho have hope because many of people lost uh, hope and they lost what's going on. Yeah, so um, I think some good things came out. And uh, tell the story people, of the one lady, though. Yeah, very an example united. of one person who came to Christ. Yeah, so one uh, there were uh, uh, elderly lady and her daughter who came to our shelter, and uh, they stayed for a while uh, while they found apartment for rent because it was hard to find anything for rent. Our uh, town tripled in size. So uh, she, uh, after a while, they found a place uh, to rent, and they would come sometimes to uh, our church service. And the last church service, our pastor, very evangelical, and uh, he preached the gospel, and he offered to, to pray who want to receive Christ, and she did. And the next Thursday, she died. 
She had uh, thrombosis. It was quick death. And her daughter came to us and asked if she can have uh, in our cafe ministry center uh, after funeral lunch, memorial lunch. And I said, of course, we would like to help you because she didn't know many people. It's a new town and, you know, it's hard to manage all this stuff with the funeral procedure. And our church helped a lot, and she had uh, uh, lunch at our cafe. Everyone shared good things. And she said, this is the place where my mom felt always peace and good atmosphere. And I'm so happy you allowed us to come here. And uh, uh, I'm like, it's her, probably was good, like she approved of it. Yeah, whatever. And she was so grateful that she, her daughter was very grateful that uh, uh, she found God and she is saved. Mm-hmm. And, and what, uh, this is just one story of, of, of dozens of, of people who come to Christ through the R11 centers. Um, you need to understand that when they come to our centers, they're coming from either Orthodox or Catholic backgrounds. And in Ukraine, we evangelicals are cult. So they look at us like we look at Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. So they don't want to come to our churches, yet they're finding themselves being cared for. So they start coming out of obligation. We don't require it. They, they, uh, we don't even choose who comes to our center. The city chooses that for us. Um, and so uh, they start coming out of obligation. And then we have these Saturday evangelism things. They start to get to know us. And, and so they, they start wanting to come to that as well. And so we're seeing people come to Christ. We've even had some baptism services already uh, as a result of this. And so, you know, people are coming to Christ. And, 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 and they're being united. They're starting to see that we evangelical Christians aren't really as bad as everybody says we are. Uh, they're seeing the love of Jesus. And it's breaking down those walls. And that may be one of the biggest things that will happen in Ukraine. Because right now, evangelicals are only about 3% of the population. You know? And now they're coming to us, and we're the ones who are helping them. And so we're going to see the gospel of Jesus spread throughout Ukraine as a result of this. Um, share about uh, some of the, uh, um, uh, the, the racist attitudes that are coming down. Towards the Roma people? That would be a great example. Uh, Yes, so um, in our uh, town we have several Roma churches, gypsy churches, and they are very, very active and uh, many people come to Christ. So when the war started, uh, those Roma churches uh, helped Ukrainians. They hosted them. Uh, So... um, they mostly hosted Roma people, like friends from other cities they knew, but they also didn't deny Ukrainians, and they treated them so well. They gave their homes, and those Ukrainians in shock. Like, uh, yeah, we always like uh, ignored uh, those people because, of course, what you know they've been doing, like witchcraft and stealing. But not everyone like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also now come to Roma churches for prayer and worship, and uh, it's amazing. And, and by the way, uh, Roma churches are very rare in the world. Um, 
there's something happening in Zakarpati where we live, a revival. Uh, it just in the, in, the, in the camps we have, about 10% of them are believers now. So the percentage of Romos coming to Christ is larger than Ukrainians coming to Christ. I, ha- I get emails all the time from uh, mich- missionaries in other parts of Europe saying, what's going on in Zakarpatia? Why are your Romos coming to Christ in great number? And my answer is, well, you've got to ask Jesus that because <laughs> that's his job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not, it's not us. Um, but, uh, yeah, something is happening. Uh, but now what we're seeing is these Romas from Kharkiv and these Roma from Kiev are coming into this revival. Um, and so, uh, you know, sometimes you know, if we don't go, Jesus brings them to us. <laughs> and so we're seeing that happen. Many Roma are coming to Christ as well from other regions of Ukraine as they come in contact uh, with the Roma churches in our area. Um, tell them the story about uh, the uh, drug rehabilitation center. Yeah, one of the churches, it's a Baptist church, very progressive Baptist church, and uh, they've been, uh, one of their ministries was a a rehabilitation center, and uh, um, so during, when the war started, other rehab centers asked if they can come, uh, like IDPs and hide uh, for a while, and nobody would accept them, but that church did because they already had heart for uh, and the set up ministry for rehabilit- uh, rehabilitants. And those people, uh, they started helping uh, other Ukrainians uh, who were IDPs. And uh, it just uh, showed how God can use everyone uh, yeah, so these IDPs, these drug rehab IDPs are uh, invited into the church, and they come in contact with Jesus, they come to Christ, and now there's some of our best volunteers out there yeah. serving other IDPs, and so we're seeing uh, that as well. An I, yeah, thank you. So an IDP means internally displaced person. Uh, if you are displaced outside your country, you're a refugee. If you're displaced inside your country, you are an internally displaced person or IDP. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the people in our centers are IDPs. We do have some Russians, Belarusians. We've had lots of Nigerians. We had one Yemen come through in, in our, our, our very first 12. I'm going to share this story. So uh, we... That first day when the war hit, as I shared in Sunday school, I was praying, you know, about where can we put these refugees, and the first place was our church. And so I ran down to the, uh, our version of Home Depot, <laughs> uh, not Home Depot, uh, furniture <laughs> store. What's your, what's your big furniture store here? Huh? Okay, like Ikea. Uh, that's not really American, though, is it? But we'll, we'll use Ikea as the example. So I rushed down to our, our big furniture store there to get some mattresses. Everybody else in town had the same idea. <laughs> I could only get 20 mattresses. That was it for our first day. Um, the Slovakian government uh, donated 2,000 mattresses to us uh, very shortly afterwards. And so we were able to uh, have, we had 585 beds in our 11 centers and then give the rest to other centers as well for housing. But I had 20 beds that first night. Went back to my office and very shortly after that, uh, our first 12 refugees uh, arrived. It was uh, 12 students from Odessa, uh, 11 of them were from Nigeria, and one of them was from Yemen. They're all Muslims. 
and they were attending medical university in Odessa when the bombs started dropping in Odessa. They jumped on the first train out of town, brought them to Uzhgorod. Uh, while they were on the train, they had no idea where to go in Uzhgorod, but the person, there was somebody on the train next to them that said, hey, when you get to Uzhgorod, look up Doug and Marina. Here's their address, their cafe, they're gonna help you. Uh, we still don't know to this day who that was on the train, but God placed someone on the train who knew us. They came to our center, they were our first 12. Uh, so we got to share the love of Jesus with 12 Muslims from, uh, from Nigeria and Yemen. And one of the girls was pregnant and uh, later sent us a picture and a thank you note with her newborn baby. In two months, I even forgot who is it, like, and why they sending me a picture of their baby. So in two months, she still remembered and she was grateful. And those first days were also very critical, you know. And uh, I remember like in our center, like the stores didn't have food and uh, was hard to buy because everyone bought out stuff and uh, they couldn't uh, bring more supplies like because of the cut, uh, uh, how you say, logistics. And uh, somebody just came from the street and brought us like 20 hot dogs. And it was enough to feed everyone. Then somebody just came and brought me several bags to the kitchen of vareniki, uh, like ravioli. Already cooked, I just had to boil it. Frozen, like I had to boil them. Then another day, one lady with her grandma came and they cooked uh, a meal and just brought it. like. And it was enough to feed everyone. Later, I started uh, mm. cooking more for people. But those, like, God did miracles and got people's hearts moved to, to serve mm. each other. So, right. what, what, uh, Pastor Rob, what's your sister church? Ukraine. Okay, you're right. You, you don't have one yet. Yeah. We'll talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a sister church association where we're, 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 we're bringing uh, Western churches in Europe and America into a sister partnership with the Ukrainian church. What's happening in Ukraine is um, uh, half the people have fled of the churches. And those who have stayed behind, there's no jobs or they've been drafted into the war. And so as these pastors are caring for their congregations, they have no money and funds to care for their own families because it's a 24-7 hour job. They can't get a job because they're caring for the people in their church. And so we're partnering churches in America with churches there to help cover those salaries. It's a six-month commitment. We're asking churches to put up $3,600, which is six months of salary for that pastor to care for his family while they're going through. One of those who came to our house is Pastor Sasha. Pastor Sasha is from the church in Bucha. You might have heard of Bucha. It was one of those first areas that was liberated in the atrocities that came out of Bucha. It was on all the headline stories around the world. And... Um, the pastor, uh, Sasha came to us. You think, well, why, why is the pastor abandoning his congregation? He had to. You need to understand, this is a religious war. So in, in, in Russia's mindset, you had, the, the Russian Orthodox Church is all about establishing Christ's kingdom on earth with them as the ruling it, of course. It's a Sharia version of Christianity. Putin is their Messiah. Putin is the one who is conquering the world for Christ in their eyes. Putin doesn't care. 
He's, he's just using the Russian Orthodox Church. That's why 80% of the Russians support him. But as he does that, he mo- every town he moves into, the first people who are arrested are the pastors, the Catholic priests. Even the Ukrainian priests are, are arrested because they broke away from the Russian Orthodox Church two years ago. And so, you know, that's really what the purpose of this war is. It's, it's Russia's angry about these Ukrainian Orthodox churches pulling away from the Russian Orthodox Church. They want them back. And so they come in. We're finding, we're finding pastors that were dear friends of mine. I've coached their churches. Uh, we're finding them dead in the forest. Um, Putin is basically working with the Orthodox Church to wipe out. We are their biggest competitions. And so the Catholics and the Protestants are all being uh, killed uh, as they come through. It's a religious war. And that's why the pastors flee to us. Because if when the Russians got to Bucha, he would be one of the first arrested and probably killed. And so he came to us, and, and he, but once, once Bucha was liberated, we had a van bringing humanitarian aid to the people of Bucha, and he ran that humanitarian aid van back and forth every weekend. Eventually returned to his church full-time and is now um, leading that church. What really touched my heart was you, you knew the stories of the Russians who were just killing everybody, shooting you in the back of the head in Bucha. And the, 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 the officer in charge of the Russians found the Baptists hiding in the basement of the church. The church had been untouched. A bomb had fallen nearby, broke some windows, but that was it. The whole town is destroyed, except for this one church that's standing. And the Russians went into that church, and they found the, 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 the Christians in the basement hiding. And he informed them that they were all going to be killed. Then he got a phone call and left. And they all survived. <laughs> God, I don't know who, who called that guy, <laughs> but, 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 but Jesus is in control. That's what's happening behind the current events. That church was spared. Now what happened was when Bucha was liberated and freed uh, and they held their very first service in that church, it was packed. But not from the Baptists because they all had fled. <laughs> you know, they all have contacts in the West. The Baptists are very well connected uh, in, in, in the world. And so they, they, most of their people had already fled. The church was full of the people who were left behind saying, something's happening with this church. God spared that church for some reason because all our churches are destroyed. Why is that one still standing? And they all knew the story of how that, uh, that uh, officer had gone down there and then didn't carry out the executions. Uh, and so we're seeing, that's, again, God is doing something. He's bringing that whole community of Bucha together, and the very first service was packed. It was probably 500 people in that church that first Sunday. Okay. Uh, we are in the process of building um, uh, tiny homes. We're, we've just, we're finishing a project of four tiny homes. We're starting a project of another 18 tiny homes. And we even have the one beyond that we're starting planning. Uh, we're, we're, we're building some cabins for a camp we're building, and those will be IDB homes as well. So um, <clears throat> obviously the prayers for the finances. Uh, the Lord has already provided 60% of those finances. But most importantly, what we, I want you to pray for is the people in those homes. Uh, we're doing this through uh, the United Nations, which means we can't select um, who comes into our homes. And uh, so that's going to be totally up to Jesus. 
really in the Jesus' hands, who's, who the government will choose <laughs> to stay in our homes. We're planning a church uh, in, in the center. And so just pray for that, that it will be a beginning of a church in this unreached village. There's no evangelical witness in this village where we're building these homes, as well as the refugees that are there, that um, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to share the love of Jesus. That's there. Pray for our safety, of course. Um, uh, and we're bringing our little eight-year-old daughter back with us this time. We're leaving. We're going home in about a week. Uh, and so we have no electricity um, Possibly no electricity. We'll see what happens a week from now, but um, we have. But they turn it on. They and turn off. off. Yeah, yeah, they turn off. Our area was not hit, so we could have electricity if we wanted to. But our region has decided to share our electricity with the other regions that are hit. So they turn ours off, so other regions can get electricity. But it's going to be a very cold winter. That we're coming back to. But the Lord has provided us a little. We built a little apartment for her grandparents. It's a little. Um, uh, studio apartment that's connected to our house, and we had put in a wood-burning heating system there in their apartment because that's what they wanted. So we're hunkering down there for the winter. <laughs> so pray for us there. Yeah, just pray for the pray for the people coming. We still have our temporary centers running, of course. Pray for all those that are coming through. We average about 165 people a night now in our up, down from we were up, up to 485 at one point, but. Um, so we're still ministering to new people who are coming into our city and, uh, uh, and fleeing. Um, as, uh, the other day I wrote a letter to all our, my centers and said, guys, because in the early part of this war, we received so many gifts and finances. And uh, uh, my expenses are about almost $1,000 a day to feed all the people and all the ministry, all things we're doing. And we're down to getting $30 a day in gifts. So it's, it was running down. And I finally had to write my centers and say, guys, you need to pray. Because this is the last food uh, money I can give you. There's no food money coming next week. Uh, so pray. And before that day was over, we had a, uh, a, a large enough donation to cover us for the next six months. Uh, so God provided. So somebody prayed. <laughs> so we praise God for that as well. Yeah. So God's providing. I mean, continue to pray that God provides. Uh, but he has been. He's been a good God there. Um, you know, uh, I'm just amazed because most of the money that has come into us is from people I don't even know. Never met them. Um, so I got a call from the, I got a call from the United Methodists said, hey, uh, what could you do with $250,000? <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote the grant, and they, we just got that one a few weeks ago. So that's going to go towards those homes we're building. So we're really helping for that. Perimeter Church out of the clear blue. And don't know anybody there. It's a big church in Atlanta. Um, they, they just gave us a $50,000 grant. And they're also a sister church to one of our churches. So, I mean, it's just, just God's doing some wonderful things there. We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help hear the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.